Welcome once again to In The Queue. I am Andrew. I'm Phil. And we are your hosts. We are hosting this podcast. It's a podcast about film. Mm. Uh, Film conversations with Andrew and Phil is what we call it. And that is really what we hope to foster is a conversation with you, the listeners. So we encourage you to visit us and leave comments on our blog. You can find us at www.in-the-q, that's the letter Q, dot com. That's our main blog where we post all of our podcasts, and you can feel free to comment. Mm-hmm. You can also comment on our Facebook page, which is in the Q, Q-U-E-U-E, dash Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And you can certainly interact with us there. And on the Facebook page, we post a lot of supplemental material that's very interesting. Indeed. And finally, you can subscribe to our podcast, make it super easy, hands-free, uh, if you go to iTunes and search for In the Queue, In the Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil, and there you will find our podcast. We encourage you to listen. We certainly do. Uh, we think you're going to enjoy it. We do. Uh, we hope you're enjoying it right now. Uh, please, if you have any suggestions for films, leave those on the blog and the Facebook page as well. We are doing a listener suggestion today, and we've been we've been tearing it up with the listener suggestions yeah. as of late. We've been getting lots of lots of people writing in and, and asking us to do uh, certain films, and uh, and it's been going really well, and we've been enjoying it. So please keep that coming. Yes, we we love it. Today, as I said, we are going to be talking about a listener's choice. This is from Christy in Boston. Mm. And she asked if we would review the Ides of March. Indeed. We did not beware it, which is a reference. We did not beware it. I made that reference at the end of our last show, and I'll make it again because I'm ham-fisted. Yeah, it kind of invites that reference, being that that is what the title of the film is referencing. Indeed. It's circular logic at its best. Mmm. So this is a film that came out in 2011, and it was directed by George Clooney, uh-huh. also written in part by George Clooney and his uh, producing partner, I believe, Grant Heslov, right. who's produced pretty much everything that he's he's made for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is it concerns a Democratic primary. Mm. It is a a primary for the Democratic nomination for the president of the United States. And there are a couple of main figures involved. Uh, the lead is played by Ryan Gosling, and the name of that character is Stephen Myers. And he is a staffer on this campaign. Mm-hmm. And he is very idealistic. He believes in the message of this Democratic contender. Right. And he, he uh, at one point in the film, even says, I have drunk the Kool-Aid, and it's delicious. <laughs> uh, and he, he really, he, he's, very, he's very idealistic, and he believes. He's young. He's 30 years old. He's ambitious, he, he, I would also he's add. He's ambitious. Yeah. He's very ambitious. Uh, and he is working on the campaign uh, for this uh, Democratic contender played it should be said by George Clooney himself. He is the governor mm-hmm. of the state of Ohio, Mike Morris, or is it Ohio? No, they're just in Ohio. Right. That's where, that's uh, where the primary yeah, is. But uh, that is where the primary is happening. That they, that has all of the, the marbles in it, you know, that they, they're playing for. Mm-hmm. It'll basically determine the outcome of the primary if they should win Ohio. And he, uh, Ryan Gosling's character, Steven uh-huh. is, 
really, really good at what he does. And he is working under Philip Seymour Hoffman's character named Paul, mm-hmm. uh, who is very cutthroat and very efficient and also very good at what he does. And they work well together. But things start to come to light. Uh-huh. Uh, intrigue enters the picture. And uh, Paul Giamatti, who works for their opponent, approaches Stephen and sort of gives him an offer he can't refuse. And before you know it, Stephen is wrapped up in all of the intrigue and all of the backstabbing and all of the political gamesmanship Mm. that comes with anything at this level of the political spectrum. That's a good sort of overview to give about what what, continues to sort of occur in this film after a certain point. I'd say at the end of the first act or so. Yeah, and, and it really becomes kind of a a, a whirlwind of events and they sort of layer on top of one another until you, you, you get to the sort of final climactic scenes of the film. Mm-hmm. That's essentially the overview of it. It's kind of, uh, it, it's, it's presented as a tragedy. Uh, I think, uh, you know, without spoiling too much, right. uh, I, I think that it, it is, you know, idealistic young man, uh, gets corrupted by the system is essentially what happens. In a way, a, a sort of uh, loss of innocence story. Indeed, indeed. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's a good film. I liked it. I really did. It's a good film. I don't know that it's a great film, and I don't know that I really, really love it. Uh, <laughs> I, I can safely is... say that I have no need to ever see it again. But while, it was, while I was watching it, I was, I was caught up. I was... I was impressed by the acting, and I sort of... Well, it's really funny that you should say that, <laughs> because I saw this film before, and I completely forgot. I, I completely forgot that I had even seen it. As soon as I started watching it again, it, it immediately sort of all came flooding back to me. Uh-huh. But I... And I don't... I don't mean to make it sound like this film is bad, but any film that I can completely forget that I had seen that's saying something is saying something uh and and we'll maybe get into that a little bit later on but but i i i I got this sort of weird feeling of deja vu as as the opening scenes sort of started to unfold uh there's this one scene where uh uh steven is is flirting with the uh young intern on the the campaign played by evan rachel wood Mm mm-hmm and that scene began, and I was like, I've seen this scene. Where have I seen this scene? Did I catch this on cable, like, just, like, a couple minutes of it? What happened? Where did I see this? And then immediately I was like, oh, I saw this when I watched this movie before. Did you see it in the uh, theater then, when it came out? No, no, no. I saw it, I saw it on video. Uh, so, you know, it, it wasn't, the, you know, I always prefer to th- see things in the theater if possible. Mm-hmm. But I did not get that opportunity. Uh, but, but I... Uh, I think that speaks to the film, some of the issues with the film uh, right there. Well, let me ask, the uh, the issues that you experienced, did they have to do with the ensemble and with the, the, the various, you know, it was kind of like an all-star cast, really. Of, of, it, it really was. Of who's who. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, just running down the list, as it appears on IMDb, you've got Ryan Gosling, George Clooney, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Paul Giamatti, Evan Rachel Wood, Marissa Tomei, Jeffrey Wright, mm-hmm. Max Minghella. Like, these are all people that we've seen in a million things. Yeah, without a doubt. It's a great cast. It's a great cast. Uh, but I don't think the problems were necessarily with the cast. I actually think the cast is quite excellent in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, obviously heavy hitters like... Philip Seymour Hoffman are knocking it out of the park like they always do. He has a great scene where he gives a speech about loyalty uh, to Ryan Gosling's character. Mm -hmm. And Ryan Gosling, who I love, I think is great in this film. Um, George Clooney is great, even though his his role is is relatively small for for such a central character in the film. Right. He's sort of he's like Um, the uh, he's kind of like the 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 person in question, kind of the notable person who everybody's talking about through the whole film, but he's actually kind of underseen uh, throughout. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, it's really kind of a like behind the scenes yeah. movie about the the sort of what happens behind the scenes in politics. Um, yeah, all really good people. Uh, I just there there's something unremarkable about it that uh, that caused me to forget that I had seen it. Interesting. Uh, and. That doesn't happen very often for me. I remember pretty much everything that I've seen. Uh, but that being said, the, the ensemble I do think is quite good. And really the performances are pretty spot on in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, another movie that we reviewed recently that sort of had to do with uh, power players in the world, uh, Margin Call. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, th- there's some similarities in sort of the the the, the power of the cast, the the uh way that it's presented the way that it's photographed the the kind of uh behind the scenes inner workings of the power players but that film has such a great script uh-huh yeah like such a great script Ides of March it is based on a play and the adapted screenplay was was yeah. like like Margin Call maybe even the same year was nominated for an Oscar for best adapted screenplay yes uh, yeah and you know i i understand that but somehow, I don't know. I don't know. It, it doesn't. It doesn't thrill me. Uh, the, the the film I find very interesting, and I find the 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 machinations of it to be very fascinating, and mm-hmm. the way that it unfolds is actually really great and uh, very tragic and very sort of believable, maddening. Did you find very believable yeah, I was and ask. very maddening? Like you know, I mean, it's it's infuriating to watch it happen because it's it it is. It's what you wish didn't happen in politics. It, it basically exposes that sort of side of, of politics, like basically why people can't ever get into office and do what they say they're going to do. Right. And actually follow through on their promises and actually, you know, they just owe too much to too many people. And that's sort of what this is about. And too many people are trying to stab too many other people in the back and it just becomes a shooting gallery, you know? Right. Well, I mean, is it possible that the sort of the, the depressing nature of the the approach to the material was was uh, just kind of unpalatable, or or just sort of not something you'd want no. to, not something you'd want to escape into. No, I love depressing movies so much, so much so that one of my friends, uh, someone who has requested a number of of listeners' choices on our our show, actually, my friend Aaron, ha- uh, came over to my apartment one time when I was living in St. Louis and. He said, I want to watch a comedy. And I was like, great, go look through my DVD collection and pick one out. I had, at the time, I had like 550, 600 DVDs, something like that. 
And he started looking through the collection and kept looking and kept looking. And like 25 minutes later, he came to me and he said, dude, you have three comedies and I've seen them all. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds about right. I really, I really like I, I like intense, uh, depressing films. I like films that make me feel that sort of cathartic emotion. Well, something about the ads in March that I observed is that while I was caught up with it and I really, I liked it. I don't think I wouldn't call it great, but I was so just sort of into exactly what was going on. But I, at the same time, I sort of knew where it was going at all times. I kind of felt like I knew what the final destination would be, what, what Steven's transformation or what his journey would, would look like. And uh, there was not really a lot in the way of surprise. It just kind of seemed like a very, uh, streamlined screenplay where like the every word had its proper place and it seemed like it was all kind of neatly constructed and then very efficient, efficient yeah. and then eventually it it reached some kind of a boil maybe not a complete boil but uh, but then I agree that it doesn't quite sort of lift off the ground you know like it's it's a uh, it's taut but it's it's a bit it plays it safe a little bit in a, in a way. It's a little bit mannered. It, uh, yeah, I, that might be it, you know? I, it might be the fact that I don't feel like there's any... Like, there, there is definitely... In fact, I was thinking about this in the, in the final shot of the film, mm-hmm. which is a, an interesting shot, and I think a, a decent one. But in the final shot of the film, I was thinking, well, okay, I can see that Ryan Gosling is playing this as though he's become a monster. Mm-hmm. But really the transition happened on a dime. It really happened really close to the end of the film, really quickly. There wasn't a growth. There wasn't a, a, any kind of uh, real transition. It really happened. It was forced by circumstance. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that maybe that's exactly the, the way that it, it happens in politics. You know, you basically just have to... Yeah. adapt or die but still i think that a movie needs to obey cinematic sense it needs to it needs to function as a, as a movie that 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 actually is consistent and and my sort of issue with the movie was that basically what happens i'll give you guys a spoiler alert here um we're gonna we're, yeah, yeah. We're gonna and be... from here on out we're probably gonna get into some pretty revealing uh, serious yeah. spoilers <laughs> so if if you have not seen the film and you're interested in seeing it uh, please skip to the end of this, the podcast, uh, and and we'll inform you about what we're doing next time around. But uh, but until then, we'll probably be talking about some of the plot details. So right. tune out if you are listening and you don't want to have anything spoiled for you. So what happens is Stephen is kicked off of the the Morris campaign, but apparently what he really wants for, for meeting with the opposition right and we're gonna for, for that meeting with the opposition and we're gonna be talking about that meeting too but he's he basically blackmails the campaign to to be reinstated as as a a, a manager ra- rather than being a staffer but being a manager having philip seymour hoffman's job and that to me was a little bit too much like a revenge tale and I found it a little bit, a little bit uh, sort of inconsistent with with the the very hyper realistic elements of the story that that this guy would basically want to come back to the campaign that that got rid of him, uh, because he's so 
power hungry basically and thinks that that he will he will be on the winning team. Yeah, yeah. Um definitely definitely but I I you know I the reason that I think that that happened and this is sort of a like how the sausage is made kind of uh, all, analogy all, all. here. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I could I could that scene where he goes and he goes back to Paul Giamatti's character uh to try and get on to the opposition's campaign after this story has broken that he met with him and, and his, he got fired from the, the original campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that scene, I felt very strongly that it was there simply to expose the, the sort of ultimate hypocrisy of the, of the approach. Basically it's revealed that uh, Paul Giamatti's character had, uh, who is named uh, Duffy. Duffy, yeah. Had had basically intentionally gotten Stephen to come and meet with him because he knew that Paul, who's played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, would basically he knew that Stephen would tell Paul and that Paul would be upset about it. Paul would fire Stephen. He, Stephen would come crawling back to him. He 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 basically knew everything that would happen because he's a he's a seasoned political right guy all that kind of stuff but the the character of the scene was such that it felt like it was a labored attempt to show us just how corrupt and silly and backwards Mm -hmm. politics is yeah yeah i can see that and that's kind of i feel like that's a very theatrical touch that i think worked well in the play yeah probably Uh, yeah uh, but in the film it's it has sort of a different impact but but I, I did want to talk. We'll talk more about the sort of speculative um, aspects of the film later. But one thing I wanted to mention about the the cast here is like I think it's it's got such an amazing cast. I think probably in no small part because of you know George Clooney's involvement. Um, of course, and and he managed to assemble a real crackerjack team. And and if I recall very much about the script for this film, it's super tight. And there's not a hell of a lot in the way of written character development or, or revealing speeches or soliloquies or, or sort of ex- right, examples right. of this is what kind of person I am. And the reason that we buy into these characters is because of the casting, in my opinion. And it is the fact that Evan Rachel Wood makes a perfect example of a very kind of sultry yet vulnerable, you know, blonde uh, intern. And Ryan yeah. Gosling, who has this reputation as being a ladies' man, who's, who anybody who's seen a meme knows that. And <laughs> then you've got uh, George Clooney as the dapper, you know, suave politician. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is kind of the, you know, I mean, he, I don't know. I don't really know what he is, but he's a great <laughs> actor anyway. <laughs> And um, and so I kind of feel like in this movie, there's something going on where there's the screenplay where the characters are having these verbal sparring and they're talking about the issues that drives the engine that is the movie, the plot. Um, yep. But it yep. is the sort of the, the 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 casting that really does the job. And I remember when I was in film school, I, I acted in a a movie by our friend Andy Ruggles. And oh, this yeah. was his... See, this was a, a movie he made when he was the second year, like early on. And in the scene, like I was having dinner with this beautiful girl. And I remember when he when he cast her, 
it was because somebody else dropped out and, she, and the other girl originally who was going to do it couldn't do it. So he, he found this other girl and he told me afterwards that she was she did she did just the right performance that he wanted and he and he, he said that it was because of the casting. She was yeah. he didn't have to tell her anything. It was just the fact that she was chosen for certain reasons, not for who she was, not for who she pretended to be, but for who she was. And then that's well, that's oftentimes how stars get made. Yeah. They just get cast in the right role. The right person, the right producer, the right director, the right whoever sees them at the right time, puts them in the right role, and it suits them perfectly, and then they have a career. Unfortunately, I did not, though. That's, <laughs> I mean, she may have. She might have gone on to do that, but I didn't. Well, And that's the real maybe, tragedy. <laughs> maybe he, he, didn't, he didn't say anything about you being right for the role, did he, well, Maybe he said that to the girl, though. You know, He didn't want to embarrass well, me with compliments. Is is that so? Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but um, but as as far as the directing goes, you know, yeah. So we talk about casting as directing. George Clooney, he I I've seen some of his other films, and he doesn't strike me as as a director. I mean, I've seen his other films as a director, and I he is kind of um. He's kind of like a working man's director. He does a pedestrian director. Pedestrian to put it maybe a little bit harsher. Yeah. Uh, I I think I think that he is, I think he 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 as an actor I think he's very capable with actors I think he gets great people to be in his films I think mm-hmm. he has by and large spectacular screenplays mm-hmm. for his films, and I think he's not a stylist at all I don't think he's concerned about style I don't think he cares that much mm-hmm. I think he's just interested in photographing the story I mean, uh, I I. It, some of a couple of his other films that have been very excellent, like Good Night and Good Luck, mm-hmm. which is really good. Uh, I I love Confessions of a Dangerous Mind to death, and that's a great script and great. Well, yeah, it's a great Charlie Kaufman, right? Script, and a great so. some great performances. I should revisit that film. I remember Sam Rockwell was Sam Rockwell. Really great. Oh, he is so great in that film. Yeah. But though that, I think that this this might have just been a uh, an instance where it didn't quite work as well as those and i think that i think that all of those elements have to be in place maybe for for him to direct a really excellent film Mm -hmm. a really great film um certainly in both of those other films that i just mentioned you have a really really central sort of almost star making turn by one person yeah Um, i mean you know i say that david strathairn was had been long long time in the industry Uh uh-huh Obviously, and uh, uh, you know, uh, Sam Rockwell was 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 new at that time. That probably was largely uh, responsible for sort of catapulting him to fame. Mm-hmm. But those centered around really one character, and this does too. It centers around Ryan Gosling's character, but I feel like it's a little bit more of an ensemble. It's a little bit more. Uh, well, it is. I don't know. It is an ensemble. You know, it's hard to put my finger on it. You know, with without slighting Ryan Gosling at all and I love Ryan Gosling and there's certain roles that I've seen him in where I really just think he's perfect um, yeah. but this may not have been the perfect role for him you know I think his his version yeah. of Steven is not a hell of a lot of uh, of depth you know yeah I mean I think th- I mean it, it works when he's playing you know the driver in drive <laughs> Right, uh, like if if he's he's playing that kind of aloof character, 
Um, and it, like I said, with about the casting thing too, is like he's if Revan Rachel Wood and Ryan Gosling are cast because of their pairing, uh, and if he's cast as as a guy who could seduce a beautiful woman or or or, or you know bed a, an intern, you know Ryan Gosling is can definitely do that because he's got the looks and the charisma. But but why why really does he want to be in politics? Is it ever really that explained? It's never explained. I, I think that, I think it's, you know, I mean, it, it is because he believes. He believes in the message. Right, but that's, that, that's I need more than that's that. That's set up very early. Well, I'm not sure that that's not enough for, for a political film to, to drive his ambition. But we don't ever get like a real peek inside him. That might we also, always see the, yeah, that might also tie into the whole issue of the, of the screenplay not, not developing characters enough. Yeah, yeah. I. It's interesting. It's an interesting case because this is a film that I feel like I should really love, <laughs> but I just don't. Uh, you know, as I said, I don't dislike it, mm-hmm. but I, I just can't. I just can't love it. Well, so let's talk a little bit more on a speculative nature about the the meeting with uh, with Stephen uh, and Duffy. Um, so what happens in the film is that Duffy calls Stephen and says, "I got something to show you." And, and yep. meet me. I'll be at the bar for a couple hours. He- Again, if you happen to have tuned back in, another big spoiler alert for what we're about to talk about. Right. Although maybe not as big because this happens in the first half. Fairly half early. Hour, right. Yeah, but anyway, and so, so Steven is like, I can't, be, I can't be seen talking to you. And he's visibly kind of upset. And he seems to ha- not want to have anything to do with it. And he calls Paul. And says, and he wants to say, you know, does he actually leave a message and say what he's doing? I don't think he no. does. Yeah, no. he just he can't get through to Paul. He just says he just says I I need to talk to you. It's important, and then hangs up. And then in like the next scene, or after a very short scene, Stephen is meeting with Duffy in the bar. Yeah, and based on Ryan's swagger and healthy ego, I think he he did it to sort of see what Duffy had to offer, even if he didn't, if he knew going into it that he was not interested. Well, yeah, I think. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. Yeah, well, maybe there's nothing to debate about. Uh, but I, I, I think, I think that uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, character has a uh, in, in that brilliant scene that I was talking about earlier, where he's, which is really excellent. Um, he has this sort of like excoriation of 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 Stephen. Where he, he sort of tears him apart, and he he nails it right on the head. I think he says, you know, it, it flattered you mm-hmm. for that somebody wanted you, that somebody thought that you were better than me, and that they wanted to steal you away from me. Like that, that stoked your ego, and that's why you went. Right. And and then he goes on to tell a story about when when he was a young staffer and how loyal he was to his employer and how loyalty is everything in politics. Doesn't he say like without loyalty you have nothing? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yes. Uh with that great Philip Seymour Hoffman nothing. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, I think he nails it right on the head. I think that that's that's the reason he goes. And that is the cause of his downfall. Right. Hubris Classic Greek tragedy. This really is a, a very sort of classical Greek tragedy, yeah. and, and actually reminded me in some ways of of a movie like The Godfather, though mm-hmm. not you know I, I'd watched The Godfather a million times before I'd watch this again. Right. But uh, but you know it has that same kind of arc. 
It really does. Same. I think it's it's basically it becomes a transparent homage, just about in some ways. By yeah. the end of the film, it's yeah. like you know they're thinking, okay, this is going to be just like the end of the Godfather. And... But in the Godfather, that transition is in bits and pieces throughout the film. It's a slow, agonizing transition. You watch Michael Corleone be corrupted, not because he wants to be, but because he has to be, because of his love for his family, because of his you know, desire to exact revenge on those who have wronged him. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, you know, they're, that, in this film, it all happens in the third act. Right. You know, it's all, it's, everything happens in the third act. It's like, yeah, and, when, it, when the, the story begins, the filmmaker's already have the ending in mind they already know okay we've got to get from point a to point b and if we don't get there we're still going to get there because that's what we have to do yeah yeah and so it it feels like the last part of the film is really cramped and and sort of that those last couple of shots where where ryan gosling steven is walking slowly into the studio and putting on his earpiece and getting in front of the camera and prepping himself for his interview. Right. You're, you're looking at it and you're watching it and you're like, Oh yeah, this is, this is dark. And I guess he's become a really bad guy, but it's, it feels unearned. It feels to me like it, it is not, it's treated with more gravitas than it actually deserves. Has. Yeah. Well, I think, it's interesting to hear you talk about this, and I feel like it, we're we're sort of really getting at what what it is about this film that kind of didn't sit well with us. But um, one thing that I sort of wonder about is is if Stephen actually was able to get through to Paul after Duffy called him, and then um, you know, like what would what would Paul have said? You think? I mean, like would he have said, you know, don't go talk to him, or would he have been hurt that that Stephen was even thinking about it, or? I think he would have been. I think he would have been okay with it because he 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 says that he called his boss when he was presented with a similar opportunity when he was young, mm-hmm. and he turned it down. And he says that's where you and I differ. That's where we're different people. Is that I I didn't go satisfy my own curiosity. I I stuck with my guns. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. But you know that very last shot that we sort of been dancing around. Like it's basically a shot of of. Um... Stephen, you know, looking down as he puts in his earpiece, he's about to be interviewed, and the camera's dollying on, on a, an uncomfortable, sweaty close-up of his face. And I was just waiting for that moment for him, his eyes to, you know, look up and then cut to black, and that's exactly what happened. And there was your Godfather moment. And that's kind of what it was for me. Unearned is a good description for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know that I recommend this film. Uh, like if you're if you're a political junkie, if you like all these actors, clearly you're gonna have a a, a decent time, because it is uh, it is a really good stable of actors. It's an interesting screenplay, even if I don't think it does everything right. Um, the the way that the story unfolds is very interesting, mm-hmm. but uh, but uh, you know, as I said, I I saw this before and completely forgot everything about it. It's amazing. <laughs> I. That has almost never happened to me. So uh, I think that kind of speaks for what I think about the film. I think you should get a tattoo saying that you've seen Ides of March so that if you forget again, you can just look at your arm tattoo and then you'll know. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, as far as my recommendation, I, I recommend it for people who are fans of Philip Seymour Hoffman, mostly. Um, yeah, because yeah, his performance is really excellent. If you're a fan of his, totally worth seeing. As a movie, it's passable. Uh, it's all right. It's pretty good. But it's not great. And with so many movies out there, people, you really ought to just not settle and just only watch the great ones. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, I suppose. Join us next time when we will be talking about a new documentary that has just been released called Life Itself. This is based off of Roger Ebert's memoirs, and it's done by his good friend, while Roger Ebert was still alive, Steve James, who is a great documentarian. Mm -hmm. And Roger Ebert was one of the great champions of his breakout hit, Hoop Dreams, which is considered by many to be one of the greatest documentaries ever made. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it really is. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, he has made this uh, documentary about Roger Ebert, and we are both fans of the man. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to watch. Yeah. So join us for that. 